Hello, beloved. Uh, welcome to this week's Bible study. I decided to show my face again and uh, to record basically my face as well, and not just the audio. And we are busy with in our Bible study with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Last time we looked at part one. And in part one, we looked at the Holy Spirit's involvement in creation. And in part two that we're going to do now, we are going to take a look at the Holy Spirit's ministry to people in the Old Testament. Before we continue, though, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name. And thank you for your love and kindness towards us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can study your word and see the working of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit did even in the Old Testament and how things fit in. I pray, Father, that you will open up our hearts to receive your word, our minds to understand, so that at the end of the day, you may be glorified in and through our lives. And enable me as your servant to teach your people, Father, please. So I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so as we look at the Holy Spirit's ministry basically to people in the Old Testament, the first thing that we need to say to one another is that we see uh, in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit gave salvation to people, we can say, the same way he does in the New Testament. Now, there are some people that think that salvation, you know, by grace alone, through faith alone, in, in Christ alone, basically, is only available to people in the New Testament. Now, obviously, in the Old Testament, Jesus hasn't died yet. It is only in the New Testament where we read the testimony about Jesus Christ. Now the witnesses, the, the four Gospels that explains to us the life and ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts explains to us the ascension of Jesus Christ. Right, so, but in the Old Testament, we don't really read about Jesus Christ in the sense that he dies uh, and that he is buried and that he raises again from the dead. But in the Old Testament, it is already pointing forward towards Jesus Christ's return. Uh, um, not return, his first coming. Uh, and that he would come as the suffering servant. Uh, we, we read about in Isaiah. Né? And the Messiah that would come. And we know that in the New Testament we see Jesus Christ fulfilling all the messianic prophecies. He is Messiah that was to come. So we can kind of say, is Jesus already there in the Old Testament? That the people of the Old Testament were saved by having faith in the Messiah that is to come? Yes, we can say that. But unfortunately, it's true that some people believe that it was only after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that people could basically receive eternal life from God. Now, when we study the Bible very carefully, what we see is that it's not true. People have always been saved by God's grace. Even when Adam and Eve, you remember when they disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden? It was by God's grace that God didn't destroy them immediately. But it was because of God's grace that God gave the promise in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that the, um, there would come a Messiah. There would come someone that will... Uh, crush the head of the serpent even though the serpent will bite him in the heel so it was always by grace when God made his promises to Abraham 
when God gave him the covenants, when God reaffirmed the covenants to Isaac and Jacob, when God gave the covenant to David, we can see how God in his mercy, in his grace, is the one who reaches out to man, that he is the one who was going to save mankind from their sin. And obviously he was pointing towards Messiah that was going to come. So the Old Testament believers or the Old Testament saints or the Old Testament um, Jews who came to salvation, who received eternal life, was because they were reaching out to what the Messiah was going to do in the future. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament was, was such that, yes, animals were slaughtered. Uh, there was the substitute, an innocent animal for the sin of the people. But Jesus Christ would be that perfect ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that would be brought. And obviously, so when the, the, the Old Testament uh, saints, if I let me call them the Old Testament saints, if they go to the temple to bring a sacrifice for their sins, what they were actually doing was they were pointing forward to that perfect sacrifice that one day would die for them. And they had a, this expectation of the coming Messiah, that the Messiah would come and he would take care of, of the sin problem. That he would take care of Israel. He would take care of the, the problems that Israel had. But the Old Testament teaches us that Messiah would come to save his people from their sin. He would be the suffering servant. He would take their sin upon him. He would be crushed. All these things that we read about in the Old Testament, all pointed towards Jesus Christ. Right. So we have to understand that eternal life was already presented to the people of Israel um, through faith, by grace, through faith in Messiah that was to come. And the way they did it was to basically do the sacrifices, to do the cleansing rituals, to do the things that God um, basically ordered them or commanded them to do, so that at the end of the day, because those things were pointing towards Messiah that was to come. Right. We see in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was the one who was active in the salvation of the Old Testament saints, by the way. Now the question is, how can we say this? Now what I want to do is, let's just go and take a, an example in the New Testament. And you will say, ah, how can we take an example in the New Testament to prove that the Holy Spirit was involved in the Old Testament in saving saints. Um, well, beloved, it's very easy. Because when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, you remember in John chapter 3? When he spoke to him about being born again. He was speaking to Nicodemus about regeneration. Jesus actually made it clear to Nicodemus that he was supposed to understand these things. He was supposed to understand being born again. He was supposed to understand regeneration. That something was going to happen to the heart of a person and it was going to be changed. The person's spirit was going to be changed. So we read, for example, uh, if we go to John. John chapter 3 and verse 7 to 10, it says, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Then he says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Then he says, So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to Jesus, How can these things be? In verse 10, Jesus answers Nicodemus and he says to him, 
Are you a teacher in Israel and do not know these things? Remember, Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus before uh, he was... Uh, before he died, was buried and rose again from the from the grave. Before the gospel was 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 how can I say uh, was was preached. Before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, and he speaks to Nicodemus as a religious leader of the Old Testament dispensation. Now, the problem I believe, especially with the Jewish religious system, was that they they didn't understand spiritual things. I believe that they were so busy with all their cleansing rituals and their sacrifices and their prayers that they hardly thought about spiritual things. I mean, even the tabernacle and the temple were physical places. And, and God's Shekinah glory was in the Most Holies. They, they knew that God's glory was there. Okay? And then it also happens at times that teachers of religion, you know, like Nicodemus... They are so rational. They, they are so focused in on knowledge. They've got to know the laws. They've got to know the Torah. They've got to, know, they've got to be able to, to quote the prophets. And they've got to get it, have it all in their minds. You know, memorizing the scriptures. That they miss the spiritual elements of their religion. So I believe it's clear from the words of Jesus to Nicodemus. That eternal life was taught in the Old Testament. That actually regeneration was taught in the Old Testament. And, and Jesus was kind of connecting to the Old Testament already. Because, I mean, when he says to Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel. You're supposed to know these things. Jesus was referring to a passage, for example, like Ezekiel 36, uh, verse 25 to verse 27, where we read, he says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. This is God speaking that He was going to save Israel. And He's going to clean them. He's going to cleanse them. Verse 26, He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments and do them. Beloved, can it be clear? If Nicodemus read this and he interpreted it in, in, a, in a spiritual sense of the work of Messiah, then he would have understood what Jesus said to him when he said you have to be born again. You have to be born of the spirit or you have to be regenerated. God has to take out his heart of stone and place a heart of flesh in there. But there's also um, Isaiah eight, uh, Ezekiel 18, uh, where the prophet speaks about this new heart na, and this new spirit. Verse 31 and 32 of Ezekiel 18, where it says, Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed. This is speaking about the forgiveness of sin. Because this is what we do now. We come to Jesus Christ... And if we confess our sin and we repent of our sin, it means we turn away from our sin and we cast our sin upon Jesus Christ. Those sins that we have committed. Okay? So Ezekiel 18 verse 31 and 32 says, Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. 
For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. Isn't that beautiful? Already, again, Ezekiel prophesying about what Jesus Christ was saying to Nicodemus in the New Testament. Then there's also Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19 where we read, Then I will give them one heart, that is, give Israel one heart. I will put a new spirit within them. And that's obviously the outpouring of the Holy Spirit now that Jesus prophesied when he was alive, when he was busy with his public ministry. And that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. So he says, I will give you one heart. I will put a new spirit within you and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That stony heart that is taken out, beloved, that's regeneration. That's being born again. Is God takes out the heart of stone that is filled with sin, that is, how can I say, that is filthy and evil and wicked, and He gives us a heart of flesh, which means He gives us a new heart. He makes us a new creature in Jesus Christ. Even Psalm 51, verse 10 to 12, says the following. And this is uh, the psalmist crying out. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not um, cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Do you think that David understood something about salvation in the Old Testament? That he understood something about God doing something inside? I believe it's for sure. So I believe it's accurate to say that just as in the New Testament, it is the Holy Spirit who brings new life to people in the Old Testament. Obviously, it looks a little bit different, but it's the same thing. Because it's one, one Bible, one salvation. There's not many salvations. One salvation where God saves us by His grace through faith in Him alone. Alright, now, second thing we see when we talk about the way that the Holy Spirit ministered to people in the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit actually choose in the Old Testament already to enter some people at certain times. Uh, for example, in John 14, Jesus said that the ministry of the Holy Spirit would be different uh, from the days of the Old Testament. All right, because in John 14, this is now New Testament, we read in verse 16 and 17, we read, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that he may abide with you forever. He says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, there's the difference. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit worked in a different way with regards to the Old Testament saints. But in the New Testament, in the New Testament, it says that um, the Holy Spirit will come and indwell the believer. Okay, So after Pentecost, the Spirit would actually live inside all believers all of the time. Okay, 
In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon some believers. And that was for a specific reason. And it was only for a specific period of time. Okay. But we're going to take a look at, at uh, some more, how can I say, ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of uh, Old Testament saints. Because it's very interesting to see how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. And then we see how the Holy Spirit works in the New Testament. Alright, that concludes basically um, part two of our study of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And I hope that it's been a blessing to you as it's been a blessing to me to, to prepare the, the, the message, the, the Bible study, the study of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a very, very interesting topic to, to discuss. Okay, so this is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the ministry of the Holy Spirit towards Old Testament saints. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much that we can come to you. Thank you for your love and kindness towards us. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us. Uh, thank you that we can come to you and ask you to give us the ability to understand your word, to understand the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament. And we know that through your Holy Spirit, you will enable us to understand these things. Thank you for what we studied today. And may, your, may, may we take it to heart. And uh, yeah, thank you so much that we can know these things because you've given us the revelation in your word. Go before us, we pray. Be with each one as we go through this week and may your name be glorified in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he give you his peace, God willing. Until next time, bye-bye.